This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk, especially this week. And joining yeah. us as always is the president of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Uh, well, do you want like the polite Sunday morning <laughs> church answer <laughs> or you want to know it's really real? Ah, we keep it funky here on PTM. Give us the real. Tell us how you really feel, Jamar. <laughs> well, I think you shared the quote on Twitter. My feet is tired, but my soul is rested. Yes. And I, I think that kind of captures it. Um, it's been a controversial long week, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, right? Like we're, we're, we're human beings, we're emotional beings. And, um, you know, on that level, I'm very tired. I've lost like three days of productivity. So I'm real behind going into the week, uh, for some stuff that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect or didn't, uh, didn't ask for. Mm. Um, but in all of that, you know, my soul is rested because especially, in times of adversity, God shows up through the support of his saints. And so I've actually Amen. sensed really strong um, community right now. And, and that's been helping me out and helping me get through. How you doing? Man, I'm I'm okay. You know, this whole thing caught me in the middle of my vacation. So uh, <laughs> week off with the wife up in NYC. And if you follow me on social media, you know that we've kind of been documenting some of the things that we've been doing. But it's rare for us to get a week off uh, together um, or any time off together. So it was definitely something that uh, vexed my soul a little bit. And so we, we definitely go get into it and talk about it. But we're not alone today, Jamar. This is cool. Uh-oh. We got the award winning. <laughs> uh, I don't know what award it is. I need to look that up. It should be like producer like winning. There should be like a Grammy, Oscar, Golden Globe. Yeah, best best podcast producer <laughs> in the history of humanity. One Bo York. Man, I want that oh, on a coffee on, mug. Best best podcast producer in the history of humanity. Yeah, I, I put that on a coffee mug. That sounds great. Yeah, somebody make that coffee mug and then put the PTM logo on the back and then sell it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how was y'all's trip? I, you know, I, I haven't been on uh, the internet in a while. I, you know, everything going well? <laughs> <laughs> man, man, it's been great, brother. Well, Good things, well, man. Why'd you choose NYC? Is there something in particular? That- so this is a funny story, and I'm letting y'all into the secret information, so don't tell anybody this. But so we were supposed to go on a cruise, right? So we were supposed to go on a cruise, but the couple, I hope they don't listen to this, but if they do, it's fine. Mm. They know it's all love. But the couple who we were supposed <laughs> to go with, it was supposed to be like a couple's trip. They kind of pulled out um, a month out or so. And so we we kind of had this thing where we hadn't put down the final deposit. We kind of pulled back. And so I said, you know, we just threw out different places where we could go. And then I said, why not New York? She's never been to New York, my wife. And so I said, I, I think you would love it. I think you would really enjoy it. We got some friends up there. Shout out to our friends 
Um, you know who you are. And thank you guys for showing us just great hospitality, generosity. So, and we got to see a couple of people that that we know that we're going to talk about today. So, so it was really cool to just get get there and and rest and relax and sightsee and do all that. But it was people, cold. It was cold. Well, I'm not gonna this lie. This is what happens, man. You mm-hmm. you get you get guys like Tyler who are you know trendy and, and <laughs> urbane and they're in the south, what? right? Right, in the right, south. right. And they're yeah. like, hey, let's just go visit New York City, <laughs> you know, just a trip. He's planting seeds. Exactly. To try to leave the South. Uh-huh. Who, did, who did you meet with? I who did never. you meet with while you were there? <laughs> I would never. You know I'm a Southern boy. I would like, never. Oh, I just happened to be in town. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll come by a minute. Oh, wait. Oh, look at this facility right here y'all have got. Oh, okay. What, well, what's see, your benefits package? I, I mean, can't, I'm just I can't speak for God now. <laughs> I, God might lead and guide me to New York. I'm saying I wouldn't leave leave the South, you know, because that's just, it's home here. So you never know. I'm, I'm pressing Bo's buttons because he's a he's a he's an entrepreneur, he's an artist, and he's in Mississippi, and Man. so he's he's mad that, that all these other hip cities get more attention. Look, these last couple of weeks have been. I mean, we've all been kind of on the road like crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I even had to send out a uh, the the one week that we missed. I had to send out kind of an apology message from Austin, uh, and then I was in New Orleans after that. And then, so finally back here, and it is interesting because when you are in Mississippi, you kind of get kind of put in a, a creative and entrepreneurial box almost. Mm-hmm. And I probably shouldn't say that, but I mean, like, that's, it's just the case. And so you go to like some of these cities like Austin, especially during South by Southwest, where there's all this oh, technology and music mm-hmm. and film and art and culture. And, uh, and then you go back home to Mississippi right after that. And it's like, ah, man. I want to go back. I, I did VR in an RV. They like they had an <laughs> RV out that wow. you would walk in and do virtual reality, and it was crazy. <laughs> but what I like about you, you're a, you're an ambassador, though. You're you're like, hey, come come on in. The water's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that, that that's not quite. <laughs> I'm, trying, the message, to, I'm trying to boost your street cred. Yeah, down where you are, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. No, I, I, we're, we're trying to change things. It's not the water's fine here, but we're, we're working on adjusting the temperature as best we can. <laughs> That's uh, good. So, yeah. same, bro. Same. That is the southern struggle for those of us <laughs> exactly right, who yeah. are alive in Jesus and who are a- awake to the social. I won't say woke. Oh, um, but oh, who are awake. That episode's to the social coming. Issues. <laughs> That the gospel does address. So we want you guys to continue to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We also want you to download the Satchel app as well. And that is an app that was created by our award-winning producer, Bo York. And we want you to download the podcast and listen to it there as well. So one of the things that we are talking about, if you're unfamiliar with what we're referencing, at the Just Gospel Conference just a few weeks ago, Jamar and I were able to do a crossover recording with our good friends and sisters at Truth's Table. And you should definitely subscribe to Truth's Table, the podcast. Um, it is run by Kimini Uwan, Michelle Higgins, and Dr. Christina Edmondson. And we did a podcast on gender apartheid. And so it was, it was very interesting. It was our first crossover podcast that we recorded in the same room. So it was the five of us all got together in the same room. And that's why the audio sounds a little weird. I know. And, I know. Uh, I wish I had been there because I would have like, as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, guys, don't set the mics up this way. 
that's what the producer. Well, see, I tried to do it in a zen-like way, but it wasn't all together. I tried to do it in a zen-like Nobody way. Nobody was monitoring. Was Nobody was monitoring the audio. I had to like like rip out the audio files from like one mic that wasn't even supposed to be on that one mic that it picked up, and it was just it was a mess. Well, we were putting your award-winning producer skills to the test. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but but we recorded a an episode on gender apartheid and on the ways in which the church has systemically left out the voices of women. And we know that this is, uh, for Jamar and I in particular, a new conversation for us. Yeah. So this is not something where we tried to be the experts or we tried to be the men who completely understood everything and, and were giving advice or, or anything of that nature. This was very much set up for us to come in and listen, come to the table where the sisters are serving some hot tea and listen to them, ask questions, share our perspective, but also to repent as well, to repent of the ways in which we ourselves have been complicit in some of the the, the negligence of the church in certain areas. So it was definitely not something that, that we expected to have the kind of blowback that it brought. But Jamar, it was pretty intense, right? It was pretty intense. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up sort of the framing. Um, Tyler and I, as 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 men coming to truth's table which is a space specifically carved out for black women um and and black christian women in particular uh was an honor to be invited to the table and to be quite honest i felt um extremely privileged to be be spoken to so honestly and so forthrightly, right? Because yes, I think yes. a lot of times we're really too polite to to say what's really happening or what's really on our minds or what we've really experienced, especially if it comes to, you know, experiences concerning race or, or gender. And so I really had, I, you know, kind of the, the mentality of a sponge. Let me just hear and absorb what they're saying so that I can be a better brother in Christ. And I really feel like after that conversation, um, we got served some hot tea in a loving, uh, way, but it was, it was, um, you know, it was an eye opener for me and in a positive way. Absolutely. I'll say that as well. And then I'll let Bo hop in, but, but personally it was incredibly encouraging and instrumental for me to listen to these incredibly gifted, intelligent women of God who have who are walking in paths that I'll never understand, who are walking through things that I'll never go through as a man. And so when and we've experienced this in the past on my Facebook group as well, but but one of the things I try to encourage people of there is as we have conversations, cherish the moments where the people who have been historically um, whether intentionally or unintentionally marginalized in society and in the church, cherish the moments when when that group of people are are brutally honest with you. <laughs> cherish the moments when they open up their hearts and souls and say, "This is how we really feel," and know that it's not uh, it shouldn't be viewed as exhaustive when we have one podcast or one Facebook post or one article or one blog. It shouldn't be viewed as an exhaustive look of everything that we think or an exhaustive glossary summary of all that we believe, but it should be viewed as an important chapter, an important segment in the ongoing conversation. And can you listen and bear with your brothers and sisters in Christ who feel real pain, who are still walking through things, but yet understand that God 
in the end brings justice. God in the end is our ultimate refuge. And so to, I just thank the ladies of Truth's Table for allowing Pastor Mike to do this. This wasn't something where we're like, oh, we should bring them. No, you allowed us to come into your world. Thank you so much. And we have yeah. learned a lot from it. And I know men listening feel the same way as they vo- vo- vocalize and, and voice their support. So Bo, any thoughts on that as you were listening and you were talking about how you weren't expecting us to just go there <laughs> immediately. So what were you thinking? Yeah. Well, you know, as uh, I, I was thinking, I was like, you know, we, we knew, um, I say we, so, you know, I'm, I'm producer of this show. I'm also uh, producer now, executive producer of, of, of Truth's Table as well. And so, you know, from the start of that show, I, I think, you know, it was, it was wanted to make sure that at some point there was kind of a, a crossover type of an event kind of early on too, um, with between Truth's Table and Pass the Mic, not, not really, you know, kind of fleshing out what that looked like. And so with all of y'all being together, I know that was something that the team really wanted to make happen. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, great. This will be a good, good marketing, good synergy. Y'all get together and talk about. I, I have no earthly idea what, you know, just uh, podcasting or speaking or something. Yeah, some light stuff. Some light stuff. And of course, at that state, I think, like, you know, like I said, I think it, uh, I don't remember if I was in Austin or in uh, New Orleans when I got the raw audio for it. And so once first listening to the raw audio and thinking this is going to be a nightmare to, to try to clean up uh, in terms of trying to make everybody sound okay, then I got to actually listening to everybody. I was like, oh, all right, now <laughs> we, uh, we, we actually, I think, I said this before we went live, I think we're getting pretty close to us being able to put together a top five Rand Controversies uh, YouTube video. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, be fun. it was a powerful, powerful episode. And, and, I, and I remember listening to it thinking, you know, just over and over again, like, yes, 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 this is really, this is solid stuff. This is so good. This conversation is so needed. Uh, and there are going to be so many people, and not, not yes on this one, but just the reality of, you know, this is going to rub people the wrong way. And, you know, we've, we've done this, you know, we, we've been podcasting for several years now. We've, we've kind of gone on the roller coaster from time to time. And I think it's fair to say, you know, Jamar Tyler, we've, we've never created an episode of the podcast to pass the mic with an intention of creating controversy or attracting no, no, controversy. Correct. However, there have been episodes in the past that after we've done them, you know, there's almost mm-hmm. kind of this sense of like, all right, now batten down the hatches because here we go. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's going to be you know somebody's going to take it the wrong way. You know, something's going to happen, and it's just going to you know, it's going to go in in kind of a a, a weird kind of viral way. Right. You know, with this one, after getting done editing it and 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 kind of putting it together and getting it out there, I was very much in like, a, all right, let's let's batten down the hatches, and there was almost kind of a quiet. And, and I think part of it was because it was on a different release schedule, but, but it was put out and I kept on waiting and I kept on waiting mm-hmm. and I kept on mm-hmm. waiting. And then about three days after the truth table episode went out, the past the mic episode went out, which was essentially the same with some few, a few minor edits. And that's about the time that it really took off. And some of the, the blog posts started rolling in. Cause I remember actually mm-hmm. texting a Kimini the day before asking like, have we still not gotten any pushback? Cause I'm kind of, you know, like I'm yeah. kind of anticipating it. And then of right. course the next morning was, I got a text for her saying, all right, it started. <laughs> so, well, well, and let's, and let's talk about that. Jamar, like what, what is the, what is the pushback and, and what is the source of it? What are people saying? 
what are some of the things that for the uninitiated who maybe have been under a rock and not on social media at all, <laughs> maybe you don't have social media, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But Probably wise these days. Yes, Seriously. it's incredibly wise, especially this week. So what have people been saying and what has the general thrust of the pushback been? Just to go back a little bit so I don't forget, uh, Bo, you, you brought up a really good point. You said we, we've never um, recorded an episode with the intention of being controversial, yeah. and we haven't. And we've, we've picked controversial topics because they need to be talked about, but we never deliberately set out to be provocative just to be just for be just for being provocative exactly. right just to exactly. you know have the podcast equivalent of clickbait that's that's never been our intention we're here because we sensed a need um past the mic uh as the official podcast of of the rand network really seeks to speak to african americans who self-identify as theologically reformed and there wasn't a podcast that was doing that explicitly and so that's why we're here and in the same way truth's table has a particular audience in mind and i think that's part of what is controversial about it uh when we spoke we were speaking with our particular audiences in mind which are black folk um and each of these podcasts is is sort of like opening the door on closed door conversations. It's hearing what people actually say when um, we feel free to be ourselves. And so that's what folks heard. But if you came into that podcast uh, not ready for that or, 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 or not part of that sort of um, central audience that, that already has an experiential connection to the people or the topics that are on these podcasts, it can be jarring. And I think that's what was happening. Uh, I think a, I think the topic was, was it's already controversial, right? We're talking about gender in the church. Um, mm-hmm. But then you add, there were some very colorful language, um, hyperbole perhaps even. Lifeway uh, was not carrying this podcast. <laughs> Lifeway did not carry this podcast. We They referred explicitly to uh, penis, um, yep. ovaries, breasts. They talked about in a uh, non-sexual way, by the in way, in a non-sexual way is non-pornographic. It was anatomical, uh, to make a point. Right. And, um, and there was a lot of energy in the room with the five of us there. And so it was fun. We were it was we lit out. We were laughing. It was friends getting together and having a conversation. And I wonder since since the the blogs and the 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 comments didn't start coming out till after we released the episode on past the mic if that was two different audiences right and so with women naturally gravi- gravitating toward truth's table maybe it wasn't quite quite as shocking you know mm-hmm. um maybe people had ideas about the mm-hmm. the tone or the language but certainly the the experience of being a woman in theologically conservative circles Maybe Truth Stable audience had had more experience with that, and it wasn't quite as controversial. But when we That's released good. it, when more men hear it, um, maybe that was part of the issue, which actually kind of underscores the point. <laughs> you know, it highlights the need for the episode. So, uh, Tyler, what did what do you? I mean, 
where do you locate the controversy? Why is this episode so mm. seemingly so explosive? So I'll be I'll be very transparent with you guys. As you know, I'm a part of a non-denominational church in Pensacola, Florida. Um, now I'm under authority of the pastors of that church, the elders of that church. But it is interesting for me to see the uh, denominational um, uh, controversy that typically uh, starts up. Yeah. I'm so far removed from it. And so I do not critique denominations. Um, I believe they're necessary. I believe that if I ever become the senior pastor of the church that I'm at right now, we probably would join um, a denomination. We are part of an association. We probably would join more of a formal-ish denomination, I I perceive. Um, but I, I do believe it's it's interesting for those of us watching from the outside to, to see the things that are thrown around, such as uh, sessions and presbyteries and things of that nature, um, as the initial call to controversial statements or to statements that people would disagree with. And it's a little bit uh, unnerving that we cannot sit down and have a biblical conversation first, but that we must escalate the situation to that uh, initial point. And it's it's a little unnerving for me personally. And I understand why denominations exist and and the presbytery is there to to do some very specific things that are helpful for the denomination and for the people of God. Um, and so I don't critique that at all. Don't think of this as the pastor Mike or the Rand critique of the PCA or any other denomination. But it is interesting to me to see the ways in which people respond to black people being honest. Um, and, and I'll say that. And that doesn't mean that I think people are um, any names that you would think and associated with that statement. I'm not calling any names or saying anything of that nature. But when black people exercise honest agency, when they exercise free thought, when they push boundaries that were previously established before they even existed on this earth, how do people respond? And why do we respond like that? And I think it's important for us to interrogate why some of the things that are said on a Truth's Table podcast, or even on a Pass the Mic podcast, even move the needle of controversy more than the things we're bringing up. Why is it that our podcast moves the needle? What we say moves the needle. But the injustice that we're talking about doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. You know, why is it that when we talk about racial injustice and in policing, people critique us, but not the injustice that we clearly point out? Mm. I, I'm I'm lost. Like, why is that something that that we see? And so, I, I'm not speaking universally. I, I know it's a bit of a generalization, but you know, I, I'm just saying I I find that personally a bit unnerving and disconcerting. As a member of the family of God, forget a denomination. I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of the called out ones. So why is it that the called out ones respond negatively to other called out ones? We're trying to bring the kingdom of God on earth. So, you know, those things are are, are things that I'm considering as someone. These are my unfiltered thoughts. Y'all got me on my vacation <laughs> doing this. So that's why I'm just being very open and blunt with you. So those were initially the things that I, I kind of took from it and was was kind of questioning but Bo anything on your end no I mean it it's you know obviously I I kind of operate a little bit on a on a different um playing field in that I am a member of the PCA I have been my entire life but I'm not you know I'm not a seminarian that's not my my path I've not been called to ministry in that way and so you know I'm I am a member of the church I'm not you know plugged in from from the same level that Jamar uh for example you would be um but I will say that that 
you know, the, the structure of kind of our denomination and other denominations with kind of similar structures, it, it's this like love hate relationship that I find that I have with it in that, you know, it can be extremely frustrating, but also offer a lot of value. And even in these moments where the frustration clearly exists, the network, <laughs> how do I say this? The way in which this situation, for example, went viral or, or, you know, whatever the right phraseology is here, you know, it started passing around through that structure. Um, it exposed this conversation to more people and more people were listening with a critical ear. And while there was a lot of piling on of people, you know, saying, Oh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Or we don't necessarily have any biblical things to say, but this doesn't make me feel good. You know, whatever, whatever kind of that piling on nature was, there were also a lot of people who had never been exposed to that kind of conversation before that were listening with the critical ear saying like, I was listening ready to be mad, but I didn't hear anything that was, you know, heretical, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's kind of one of these things where, you know, it's frustrating. There's a huge cost associated with something like this being taken in the way that it was. And that cost is, is, you know, mental, it's emotional and it's trying. And I'm not talking about for me, I'm mostly talking about for you guys because y'all are talking about the ladies, man. It's the ladies. Yeah. Well, that's in when this I, case, it's all the ladies. Bro. I'm using guys in kind of, I guess, a, a plural sense, but I'm oh, talking about, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys and gals. So, so basically We're in the South, say y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how we say it. So I'm talking about the hosting team, you know, with, with Christina, uh, you know, with Christina Akemini and, and Michelle and, and Tyler and, and Jamar, I mean, y'all, are the the front face like y'all, y'all are the podcast and and from that standpoint and so you know part of being that front face is being the thing that people want to you know when they want to punch something that's where they're looking to punch uh you know <laughs> so, when, yeah. they, when they want to hug and embrace it that's where they want to hug and embrace as well right. but it is you know so there's a huge cost on you guys especially uh in the midst of all this mm. but it's not for not right like there is mm. benefit in that a lot of the systems that have existed without biblical basis and, and kind of the, the historical denomination in which we operate, when they, when those get pressed upon, when people get, when those get pressed upon, people get upset. And when people get upset, they get loud. And when they get loud, more people look and mm. they causes more people to look at what's currently being pressed upon and actually review it in a critical way. And so what mm. I'm saying is that when it's all said and done, the, it's a heavy cost. But I do believe that we are getting returns from it, even if it's not immediate, even if it's not today. Amen. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll just um, point this out that after the podcast, a lot of people had questions about where Rand stood, where Pastor Mike stood on certain doctrinal issues as pertain to women in the church, ordination, things like that. I will point you to the Rand statement on sexuality and human dignity. And I'm not going to talk about precisely what's in it because I want to drive traffic to the website. So go to randnetwork.org. Oh, no, see, now we're doing clickbait. Now we're doing wise man, wise man. Go to the website. Um, it's it's one of the most recent posts, and you can check out the the official Rand statement, which also applies to pass the mic on where we stand on issues of sexuality, but also the image of God and human dignity. Just to clarify. Um, for, for folks, even though we've never intimated that we 
changed positions or anything like that. Um, which, you know, it was sort of like swallowing a bitter pill even to have to make such a statement because as you were saying earlier, Tyler, it's not just about one episode. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for several years now and we've got, I don't know how many hundreds out there as, as well as blog posts and, and never has been a hint of, of anything, um, that would contradict the the doctrines of our denominations or the Bible, more importantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that we can't misstate things or 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 err as we're speaking, but uh, I think if you look at the 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 whole of the of the content that Rand or Pastor Mike has put out, and there's there's no question, and so it's it's really really discouraging to finally have the opportunity to hear from black women in theologically conservative denominations. I mean, how many are there in your church, right? How many are there in your fellowship or network or whatever? There aren't many. And to finally hear their honest experiences, that's why I said it was a privilege, but then to have this backlash. And what really got me was the immediate like the first blog post that came out in response to this and being critical, you know, the call to action was to call the authority. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that just got me, right? It's not like somebody was preaching a sermon and said something heretical. It's not like someone was organizing a petition to go to the the elders or, or, or whatever. Um, it wasn't on that level. It was a conversation. And it was even a podcast. If, it was a podcast. And even if you disagree, why is that the response? You know, um, and, and where is where is the gentleness? Where is the grace? Yeah. Uh, where is the inquisitiveness? Mm. So there are a lot of people who listen to our podcast, which is mostly talking about race and sort of um, popular cultural issues, current events type of thing. There are a lot of people who listen to this podcast and are just like, oh, I, I don't, I don't quite know where I stand in relation to what these guys are saying, but they're, they're listening with a mindset of let me hear another perspective. And I may agree, mm-hmm. I may disagree, but I at least understand that they're going to say things that I don't normally get to hear. And that in itself is a bonus, right? That's a, that's a positive thing. What I don't get what increasingly is 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 really uh, difficult for me um, is the fact that there are some who listen, whether to our podcast or Truth's Table, uh, sort of like with their hand over over the red button, you know. <laughs> right, right. They're just waiting to hear something they disagree with, and then slam their hand down on the button. Um, and again, not calling out any names, but we've been doing this long enough, uh, to, to have had those experiences multiple times. And it, 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 it's, it's hard. It's hard. And I think some people are curious about doctrine and are talking about the representation of the church and the denomination and the body of Christ. And then other people, and I think this should be said, uh, other people believe it is necessary to police and tame blackness. Um, and this is why we started Say the that. podcast. Say that. You know, this is why we started the podcast. We started the podcast um, and, you know, I got involved with the podcast because we wanted to, in some way, shape or form, give people an honest look at our lives, an honest look at what it is like to be black reformed um, and in these predominantly majority culture contexts. 
whether locally or whether in the global church or whether in the um, American church, we wanted to give people a glimpse into what's going on in our hearts and minds. And I think some people find intrinsically the threat in that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But there's threat in free thought. There's threat in us even asking a question. There's threat in us even talking with someone. There's threat in us not saying that we did what everyone else says you should do. And so I think there is a need because blackness is seen as, in some cases, uh, a little bit too free. You know, when you're honest on a podcast Man. and you yeah. have an, an, an hour and, and 45 minutes uh, of, of time, we're, we're perceived, we're, we're honest. And, and people, sometimes that honesty alone just scares people because of the hue of our skin. And that well, is, this is part of the broken and fallen world that we live in. That's right. I mean, it, this is part of the need for the podcast. First of all, I want to say, you know, what a lot of people don't see is all the amens we get, because a lot of times we are giving voice to people who have a voice, but others aren't listening. Right. And so we're able to use this public platform to say what many people are thinking or have have a have sort of a an inkling about but haven't put words to it. And so many folks are like, that's exactly how I feel or that's exactly what I've been going through. or That's exactly what I've been thinking. And we're here for them. And we're here to articulate that, to verbalize that, uh, to to empathize with with those folks who are usually, you know, racial minorities, African-Americans in theologically conservative and predominantly white spaces. And, and that's the other thing, right, is these are conversations that people in the majority aren't used to hearing because they can't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, there's too much misunderstanding. Um, there's too much explaining that has to go on. And I think that's what happened with this podcast is, is we went into it with the mindset of, okay, this is for our core audience and, right. um, the listeners who are used to our voices already and already have some sort of connection with the context that we're talking about. And so we didn't preface it, right? Like every podcast can do with, with more context, more definition of terms. <laughs> There's always that. You don't have to read a theological statement of assent and these are these are our beliefs and this is let us now recite where we agree and disagree you know, and nah, it's not how life works. Look, if we were going to this is the if I come to your predominantly white church, I know what I'm getting into in the sense that there are gonna be a lot of people who can't or don't or haven't identified with my uh, personal or cultural experience as an African American. And so I'm going to couch things differently. Absolutely. I'm going to, you know, preface things. I'm going to lay it out differently. But this wasn't that conversation. Um, so I think if people didn't have that in mind when they listened, they could have, they, they could have misinterpreted or heard some things that, that, that we weren't saying. Absolutely. And one of the things, you know, another controversy that I think is important for us to address, Jamar, is, you know, this whole idea, and it's kind of been whipping up back and forth again and again, it is this idea that we use terms that come from critical race theory, or we use secular definitions of some sort. Um, and so some of the terms that people would, would hear, whether privilege or um, whether I'm not totally sure all the terms that people have an issue with, but anything that could be connected to quote unquote liberalism, the academy, critical race theory, P 
people believe then we have sunk into either the social gospel, liberation theology, et cetera. And so there have been blogs written about you and others that have come on the podcast, including Dr. Jarvis Williams, where people have attempted to put together quotes without much commentary, but have attempted to put together quotes mm-hmm. that would show in some way, shape or form that these people are, are people to be avoided because they believe in quote unquote critical race theory, liberation theology, whatever um, you may say. So I'll say, I'll just start by saying, if you think we're liberation theologians, you have not read enough liberation theology. They, you don't even, you have no category for liberation theology. If you think us or true stable represents liberation theology, I guarantee you, you have no category and you haven't read enough. Um, you may have read one book, you haven't read the, the entirety of everything. Um, so I would say that be careful about using a term without really investigating it. And I think what we've assumed is liberation theology bad, reform theology good. And so because of that, when we say liberation theology, it is seen as some sort of smoke signal to stay away. And that is, I'll tell you, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of things that are going on there that really should cause us to press down into what do these brothers actually believe in the liberation theology camp? And how does it contrast or compare to what's being said on Pastor Mike? think you'll find some very interesting things. You might find some overlap, and uh, I believe that. And so I'm not in this this game of excluding people personally. So that's not, I'm not going to distance myself from the brothers who believe in Christ who are in that camp. But what I will say is we're not liberation theologians. And I would never say we are because that would be completely disingenuous and disrespectful to those who do that. So Jamar, on that point and others, critical race theory, social gospel, et cetera. What, what, are you, what are you thinking when people make these charges against you? You know, there's a difference between being a liberation theologian and believing that the gospel liberates. And uh, so good, uh, historically speaking, African-Americans who were in literal bondage through race-based chattel slavery have looked at narratives, most famously the Exodus, and have seen themes of liberation in there. Why? Because the Lord freed the Hebrew slaves. He brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And could you not see (laughs) how this might resonate with someone who is in unpaid labor under threat, life-threatening conditions daily based on their compliance to their slave owners. And so it's out of that experience, which was centuries long, that African Americans who were able to discern the truth of God's word and the good news, despite the message coming through the people who oppressed them, it was African Americans who, who, who tapped into that theme of liberation because they were actually in bondage. And I think for, for, for people who don't have that heritage and that history, it might seem strange and odd. They might, might emphasize other themes. And so, but that's not unbiblical, right? Right. And then here's the other thing that gets me. Why do we get all this good reform theology? I mean, what's it good for, right? I mean, for all these folks who have this solid Christian education or this seminary education, why? It's so you can discern. Mm. Mm. And so for me, that means 
I can look at anybody's ideas, no matter where they're coming from, and chew the meat and spit out the bones. Why? Because I have this rich, robust, strong theological framework in Reformed theology that allows me to say, this lines up with God's word and this doesn't. So what if we go to a non-Christian and look at her or his ideas and say, hey, you know what? This is good. This actually right. accords with a theological doctrine like original sin. And so we can understand racism or we can understand that parts of culture are corrupt. And so we can understand systemic and institutional uh, injustices and whatnot. Like, I don't see how that should should be an automatically disqualifier for your orthodoxy. I think it's a weakness of a theological understanding of common grace um, and of the integrity of God's creation because all truth is God's truth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and it's also it's it's also interesting because uh, I I would like to say this when people people typically critique CRT or us or Christians involved in CRT in, in so much shape or form as though they don't themselves have a theory of how structures are created and how society exists. You have a theory too. Everybody has a theory. And I've said this previously before, but but this is just a way to, to test this. So some people will say, okay, well, I only appeal to the scriptures. It is only what the scriptures say. And I would say, amen. Our scriptures are our final authority. That's what good reform people believe. But here's what I would ask them, especially my white brothers and sisters. Why do you call yourself white? Where is the category in the Bible for you calling yourself that? So where did whiteness come from? Investigate that. Try to find that out. Who started calling people white people? <laughs> Why do we do that? And so what I'm asking is, if you if you identify yourself as that, then you identify yourself with some cultural category that someone who is not a believer came up with, and you even in your identity, in how you introduce yourself, in how you interact, you are in in that regard, submitting to a cultural idea. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how in the world do we believe that we're completely unstained and uninfluenced from worldly ideals about race and justice when we call in ourselves names that they came up with? How, how is that? Bro, we are, we are in the theological ethnic food aisle. You know That's what good, that means. Bro. That's good, bro. Mm. Yeah. When we talk theology, it's like that one aisle in the grocery store that has the, quote, Asian food, quote, Latino food, quote, soul food. (laughs) And then every every other aisle is just normal food. Right. Like like that's not (laughs) like that's not attached to ethnicity. And I think people people miss it when it comes to theology. Right. People in the dominant culture or, or, or the majority racial group think what they're doing is just theology. And then when it comes from a person in a racial or ethnic minority group, well, that's that's that's, you know, black theology or Asian theology or whatever, without realizing that all theology is done from a social and cultural context, which doesn't mean it's automatically wrong. It just Mm -hmm. means you're coming from a particular position. And so you're going to come to to the text with certain questions, certain assumptions. And that's actually the beauty of the body is that we we kind of need each other's different perspectives because we're coming from different uh, yeah. social and cultural and economic and gender locations. We actually have different 
um, different things to to add, different notes to to right. sing the gospel. And when we get together, we can harmonize. But but when you hear those different notes and you say, well, that's not the one I'm singing, uh, then you silence that part. <laughs> of course you know? not. Like, I mean, yeah, it's just important for us to be very careful. And and it's important for us to, to recognize that any time a black person speaks about justice does not mean they're automatically liberation on, theologians. Man. That's just incredibly important for us to remember. There's diversity in the ways in which black people articulate the Bible and scripture and the gospel and some of the implications that we would, there are some brothers and sisters within the liberation theology camp, I would heartily amen in 90% of what they say. And then there are others who I would say, you know what, I probably disagree with you more than I agree with you. As far as the conclusions we get from the text, when we read the scriptures, we come together to talk about the family of God. So there's just diversity. And so it's important for us to, to read diverse people. And I'm not going to give you a book list. I think it's really important for you to go out and seek for yourself. Um, I think some people, whenever we put out books, um, which we will in the future, whenever we say, go read this book, they they read the book to refute it so that they can say, see, I read your book and I refuted it, you know, which is which is um, just part of the nature of, of the Internet and part of the echo chamber that we live in. So I'm not giving you a book as the one thing you have to read on race and justice or on theology or anything read widely and diversely. And I think what you will find is as you read outside of the five or six reformed authors that you like to go to because they say things in the way that you have conceived them, you will find that you will expand and you will be a bit more gracious to people outside of your tribe. And hopefully the Lord will will foster through that process and practice gentleness and, and love and a listening ear that says, even if you are wrong, the way I convince you isn't to outshout you. The way I convince you isn't to attack you on Twitter or troll you. The way I I kind of convince you is not to to write some blog and and, and set off you know the authorities and, and press the red button as you said earlier. But the way I convince you is in love, and so hopefully we do that. We're committed to that as good reform folks. Well, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, we just left. Sorry, bro. We just, we just started, started, no, started going, no, and we just, we just back and forth, little <laughs> ping pong there. I'm sorry, sitting back and taking notes. No, that's all great. Like I, I can't think of anything that I'm more unqualified to speak on. I will just say, Tyler, to to the books deal. Uh, yeah, I will point you to the website. We have something called the Bookshelf. So if you go to randnetwork.org, click on resources. You can find the bookshelf, and that's a good starter syllabus for you on all kinds of topics, from history to theology. And we try to emphasize black authors, so uh, that would be. I disagree with some of the books on the bookshelf. (laughs) Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just important to say. Like when we say, "Yo, you should read this," we're not saying, "Oh, yeah." Like we big up these dudes. There's some. There's some authors and and scholars and historians that I would say, "Man, I strongly disagree with what they say," but I think you should read them. You know, I really think you should, because if you want to have an informed opinion on what is going on in predominantly uh, African-American and black communities, you need to read widely and you need to read the diversity. And this was one of the things that I really did appreciate about the Just Gospel Conference and want to shout out our brothers at the front porch for having us on the panel. Um, Pastor Thabiti, Anya Buile, um, uh, Pastor Tony Carter, Pastor Lewis Love. Thank you guys so much for inviting Rand and Pastor Mike, giving us a place at that table on the porch, one of the things I appreciated was people can see the diversity of opinions there. And this is an open conversation for people to watch 
this is really more so of a closed door conversation, a conversation we don't want to have in front of certain people groups just because of how they might use it or what have you. But it was good for us to get out there and talk and put some things out in the open. And, and it is helpful to see we don't all think alike, even in the body of Christ. We don't all believe alike. We don't all have the same emphasis. And it's good for us to see that diversity while at the same time holding up that there are some things that we should emphasize that we have not previously. So that was a great opportunity for us to just hash some things out. And as an observer and a participator, there were a lot of things I disagreed with. <laughs> there were a lot of things I sat back and I said, oh, no, like, I don't know if I, I can rock. I don't know if I, I really agree there. And then there were other things that challenged me. So why don't you don't why don't you agree? Why don't you uh, assent to that? And so that was very helpful for me. And it's helpful for us to constantly do that within these circles. That's good. And 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 as we wrap up, it would be remiss, I think, of us not to say that whatever one thought of the gender apartheid episode, I think that in the resulting conversation, yelling match sometimes, um, Michelle Akemeni and Christina have put on a clinic in grace and patience. Mm. And I just want to shout them out, especially on the internet and social media, where it is so easy to be misunderstood or just to argue back and forth and to see, you know, who can be the most provocative. You know, again, whatever you thought of the episode, like, wow, uh, what an amazing gift of grace that God has given them to, to I mean, because they're getting emails, phone calls, like, like whatever you see online, that's not, that's not a quarter of what they're dealing with. And um, I have learned so much from these ladies and I'm grateful for them. Uh, and as I say that, and, and we come back, that's, that's truth's table. And those ladies are intelligent and capable and they can speak for themselves. So if you have questions or curiosity, go listen to truth's tables, uh, follow them and, and learn from them. Yes. As and, we and, are. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very thankful for the women who are listening to this podcast. Yes. And, yes. And who can identify with much of what the ladies over at Truth's Table say and can identify with what they have gone through even over the past couple of weeks. So we see you and we thank you for being a part of this podcast and mm -hmm. for coming to the table with a couple of, of men <laughs> who don't Three really of us understand. This time. <laughs> yes. And who, yeah. who are trying to work out what it looks like to value and affirm our sisters, yeah. even as we value and affirm our wives and uh, the, our mothers and our, our sisters, sisters and the people who we're in close proximity to who are going through and resonating with many of the things that Truth's Table brings up. So you are seen and you are heard. And we're going to we're going to try to find, you know, we're not going to try to find we will find ways directly to affirm you. Um, in the coming days. And that has been something that we've talked about and uh, is very important. So thank you for listening and thank you. And we, we definitely are in solidarity with you as you live out many of the things we say on the podcast. Hey, so the first pass the mic truth's table crossover happened behind closed doors, but the next one, <laughs> ah. uh, you really you ready to let it out you hey to let it out hey i think akimity already put it out there so hey i'm, oh, I'm yes, just following did. her lead so the next one uh and, and i mean who knows there might be something between now and then but we will actually have 
a live podcast at LDR weekend this year. I'm um, going to LDR, y'all. September yeah, one. Finally. Yeah, finally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Too many LDRs just to have Tyler like sad tweeting back at home. <laughs> Every year it's the same thing. I'm just angry and I'm sad tweeting and I'm walking around the neighborhood pacing. <laughs> I'm just excited because I'll be able. Like, I, when y'all took the group picture uh, after y'all recorded this time, I was I wanted to Photoshop myself in, like peeking <laughs> peeking out behind the corner or something. But uh, but no, you needed the diversity in that picture. <laughs> September one through three, September first through the third in St. Louis. If you go to ldrweekend.com, go ahead. Uh, and uh, and register. I think registration is open. If not, just it is open. Okay, good. So go ahead and register. You're going to definitely want to be there. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. So yes, live podcast at this year's LDR weekend, 2017. Pass the mic, truth's table. Mm. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Continue to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Also join the private Pass the Mic Facebook group. Please do that. Um, we know that there are some people who. Have wanting have been wanting to continue these conversations. Or like, what's the next step? Get into a great community where you can discuss these things. You can hear honest feedback. You can observe uh, conversations. You can ask some questions. And so, pass the mic. Facebook group is that place. Just go to facebook.com, type in pass the mic. You'll see our private group and request to get in. Also, obviously, download the Satchel app to support our award ring producer Bo York and listen to pass the mic and Truth Table there. Rate and review the podcast. And we really appreciate all the feedback. So until next time, we will see you soon on the next Pass Pass the Mic. Pass the Mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know.